It is Wellness Wednesday in addition to being Groundhog Day, and we got kind of bad news from Puxatani Phil with the Groundhog saying six more weeks of winter. And I know all of you living in the Midwest and the areas where the storm are, are getting hit are saying, Ugh, thanks so much, Phil. You don't rely on a rat <laughs> for your weather forecast, right, Dr. Roizen? It's Wellness Wednesday. Dr. Roizen's here. You, you don't rely on a rat for your weather forecast or your medical information, do you? <laughs> Unless they are in an experiment and you get the outcome from using them as um, part of the uh, test subjects, we don't rely on them. Right. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if we had a medical rat? We had a medicine rat and we'd say once a year, Hey, a medicine rat, are we going to cure cancer this year? And the rat comes or, or, out. Or better yet is, what what should we take to cure cancer, rat? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it sounds medieval. It sounds so primitive, the, the use of a rat coming out and seeing his shadow or not. I, I just, I love the way that we've managed to uh, merchandise it and turn it into a television event as well as movies, etc., but uh, we have a lot to get to today, Doc. Before we get into all your medical research, I have to give you a pat on the back. You and I have been talking about all the complications and all of the speculations around COVID and the variants and the pandemics and the, the ideas that we are using to fight COVID. And a long time ago, you were dubious about uh, lockdowns and keeping kids out of school, not from the fact of transmission but more to the, the the social aspects and some of the other um what was the term you used to talk about the effects of isolating well, people what we were worried about was the diseases of despair overwhelming the benefit and what we had said was that except in those vulnerable that is unless you had a serious comorbidity or in a nursing home or over the age of I can't remember whether we said 65 or 70, I think it was 65, that it was likely that the diseases of despair would um, be a overwhelming factor. That is the diseases of depression, uh, suicide, and the, um, if you will, social isolation of the kids. Yeah, and it seems like now this uh, Johns Hopkins study, which I've admittedly read the headlines and a, a few paragraphs into it, are backing that up and saying that we didn't really have an effect on the mortality of um, people and co with COVID because of the lockdowns, not here in the U.S. or in uh, England. And we're seeing England and I think it's Finland and one other um, European country saying no more mask mandates, no more vaccine mandates. We're going to get on with our lives. Do you have any thoughts on that? If, as long as you protect the vulnerable, that's a reasonable strategy. And the vulnerable can get now, I mean, as opposed to early on, um, they can get vaccinated and boosted. And so they can protect themselves. They have that option. That's the real, uh, one of the two groups that's at risk. So mm -hmm. the, the real problem is, um, do we overwhelm the hospitals and not let um, people who need care for other things, such as cancer, heart attacks, or autoimmune diseases, et cetera, um, not get treatment. So if you overwhelm the hospitals or you make it um, unlikely that they can serve 
um, in the same way the rest of the population. That's one risk. And the other risk is to the vulnerable. Well, the vulnerable have their own choices now. And so it is a uh, societal, um, essentially the vulnerable, if you get vaccinated and boosted, it's very unlikely that you get a serious illness, not impossible. So the real, and they can wear the masks if they want to. So for example, if I was given the option of, of and knew that there were people who um, could be infectious and who weren't wearing masks on an airplane, I would continue to wear on the airplane my my N95 mask, um, and uh, in and I would in crowds as well until the uh, variant or the variants had essentially run their course and given us herd immunity. So um, as someone who's over the age of 65, I would do that. And if you have diabetes or obesity or some other one of the chronic diseases that hypertension, kidney disease that this seems to work worst on, I would continue to do that. Um, but the, 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 the choice seems that what they're saying is the diseases of despair and the Social isolation is worse um, and gets a higher proportion of people um, than uh, is needed under the age of 65. It's always good advice, always great stuff. We're talking with Dr. Michael Roizen. He's with us weekly, pretty much on Wednesdays for Wellness Wednesdays. And Dr. Roizen's at the Cleveland Clinic. You can find out more through his, uh, his great books, the H-Proof Life series, What to Eat When. It's it's all there. And he's on social media, too. He's got great stuff on Twitter. Doc, uh, looking over a lot of the research you sent me this week, there's some stuff that caught my eye that I said, okay, that's something I hadn't thought about, something I probably need to do. And then number 13, can wearing socks to bed help me sleep better? Well, this caught me by surprise, too. Um and the person who, hand, who, asked, who answered this question for us is a sleep expert from the Cleveland Clinic, Michelle Durup. And uh, she uh, says that um, what does adding uh, a, pair of, a pair of socks do? Well, it warms your feet, relaxing and widening blood vessels that constrict while cold. That improves the blood circulation in your overall body, helps release more heat through your skin, and by making your feet warmer, you're opening up blood vessels for the whole body. So increasing the blood circulation to your feet results in a lower core temperature, which helps you sleep better. Seems counterintuitive, but that's what happens. Huh. Now, it also has a couple extra benefits. Um, it limits hot flashes during menopause. Not something you're vulnerable to, Michael, but a lot of women are. Yeah. And um, the, in other words, it lowers your core blood temperature, again, minimizing hot flashes. And um, if you will, it, it actually, there's a, another benefit, according to a small study done out of Britain, um, that... Uh, they were more likely to achieve orgasm during sex if they wore socks. Oh, I'm just going to write that down right here. Wearing <laughs> socks while uh, having conjugal visits or or <laughs> sexual congress 
might uh, help with the final <laughs> completion. <laughs> wow, that's an interesting side effect, Doc. I wonder if any sock company is going to take advantage of that data and put it in an ad. I would encourage them to do so. I think that would be a brilliant ad. <laughs> oh, always with the surprise, Dr. Royzen. always with the surprise. Right next to that was something that also caught my eye, keeping your weight stable could help save your brain. I, I know that we've always talked about yo-yo dieting and people that will gain and lose 30 and 40 and 50 pounds over a year and then do the same thing next year. That we, It's always been said that that's not good for your heart or your that circulatory system, but it also uh, affects your brain. Yeah, so this was 16,000 older adults were examined in the National Alzheimer's Coordinating Center. These are people who are at least 60 and had none had been diagnosed with dementia when the study began. Um, and they took tests assessing memory, language, thinking skills, mental function, and their body mass index was measured yearly. After five years, um, there was mental decline in everyone. We decline, we lose, if you don't do some of the 33 things that help you maintain cognitive function, um, all of us lose about 5% of our IQ every 10 years. Wow. And that's 5% of processing speed. Well, you can do a whole bunch of things to keep it, and so we'll go into that maybe at another time. But what they found was that the people with fluctuating body mass index were 60% more likely. Let me rephrase that. They lost IQ points, or they lost cognitive functioning in these four domains 60% faster if they had fluctuating BMIs than those whose body mass index stayed stable. So um, the goal is to get to a low body mass index that is one that isn't obese, um, and then stay stable, and that's the best way for um, decreasing uh, brain pathology. I'm one of those people who's kind of stayed at the same weight. And yeah, I could lose 10 to 15 pounds, but my weight never really changes from year to year. Uh, it's been, I, I can wear the same jeans, Doc, that I wore 25 years ago. I can put on the suit I wore at my wedding almost 30 years ago. So um, I guess that's a good thing, but it's making sure you're also under that level where that uh, body mass index comes in. Because if you're carrying extra weight, even if you're stable, that's not good, right? Correct. In other words, it's only if your body mass index, which is a measure of, of uh, weight divided by height uh, squared, it's a complex formula, but what you want is a body mass index under 30 and it to be around the same body mass index for the rest of your life. Yeah. Trying to be stable is good for your body. That's a good thing. Uh, and stable in the healthiest place you can be. Doc, I know a lot of people with back issues every now and then. My back bugs me. Um, aquatic exercise is superior to physical therapy when dealing with back pain, especially lower back pain. Yeah, this is a wonderful study where they randomly allocated people to either aquatic exercise or physical therapy. Physical therapy did both, but one was in a pool and one was without a pool. Um, that is, was um, on land physical therapy. 
And the amazing thing to me is the difference in pain. So we look at a, there's a numeric pain scale that they use, and a two-point improvement is a significant. In other words, you say a zero to 10 scale, what is your pain? And then you say that to the same person um, after they've undergone 12 months of physical therapy. And um, the group that underwent aquatic physical therapy, 54% had improvements of their pain of at least two points, as opposed to 21% in um, the group that uh, underwent land-based physical therapy. Hmm. So a substantial benefit, um, and that was for the most severe pain. For the average pain group, it was 40% two-point improvement versus 17%. Again, both significant differences. So um, those were uh, very important um, changes. And when they looked at disability, the aquatic group, um, five-point improvement in what you're able to do, 46% versus 7%. So again, a major change based on doing aquatic physical therapy. Now, why is that? They didn't answer that question, um, but they thought it was uh, maybe that the group, the people doing it, thought it was safer and were able to do the exercises to a better degree or to a more complete degree. Hmm, that's interesting. Now I want to know if we could do rehab in space and zero gravity. Doc, I have time for one more question, and it's it's kind of um, it's kind of crazy because I don't think about eating cranberries, but are cranberries healthy, and what what's the benefit here? So cranberries are healthy. They have a lot of, and we don't eat cranberries very much except um, with turkey and Thanksgiving and other holidays when you have turkey um, are um, maybe the only time we think about them. Um, and they have some zing and they taste good, but they're also rich in vitamin K and magnesium in some of the um, fiber. They are 90% um, water. Um, and if you will, the, the good news is they do decrease urinary tract infections. Women take cranberry juice to do that. Um, they have what are called uh, proanthocyanins that help with that. That also helps prevent cavities. So your teeth really? is another thing. Huh. And they reduce inflammation. Um, and uh, they look like um, they prevent gastrointestinal and colon cancers, and they lower your, um, what we call your LDL, or bad cholesterol, also known as apolipoprotein B, and that's something we're going to learn a lot about, because in the European studies, apolipoprotein B was more predictive and I'll go over why in another time with you or even today. But apolipoprotein B was more predictive of heart attack than LDL cholesterol. Your LDL cholesterol is carried on, on apolipoprotein B particles. And the particle numbers, 
as well as the absolute cholesterol numbers matter. The, the smaller ones, the smaller particles, which increase your apolipoprotein B um, to a greater degree, um, have are more likely to get stuck or what get into your endothelial wall, it's thought, and cause atherosclerosis. So apolipoprotein B, you're going to see that measured a lot more than LDL cholesterol coming up in the future. But in any case, whether one or the other, cranberries also lower that. Can can it just be cranberry juice, or do you have to eat cranberries? Um, it's probably you have to eat it, um, but we don't have. Uh, I don't know the data on that. Um, so from this article, it it was just eating it, and I don't know whether uh, the cranberry juice helps with that. I assume it is some of the fiber. Um, that comes with the cranberries that helps. Okay, yeah, because I know the cranberry juice does help the uh, UTIs. As yes. as just anecdotally, I've I've um, so we should explain that. UTIs, the urinary tract infections. Yes, and you had mentioned that earlier with the the women who get urinary tract infections and cranberry juice, big help. Doctor Roizen, I want to come back next week and dive into some of those things we can eat that would keep our our circulatory system clean and and prevent those heart issues so let's maybe put that on the uh, on the menu for next week plus the other research and in the meantime everybody needs to go to whenway.com whenway.com and see what uh, Dr. Royson's all about uh, the what to eat when cookbook the what to eat when book and the age proof life series and eventually when the paper gets here from China will get the new book, The Great Age Reboot, which I can't wait for, Doc. Actually, they've told me last week that the paper did arrive. So Yay. they're going to start, they're going to plan on printing it uh, this month. So very good. Thank you. Uh, very good, sir. Thank you, my friend. Take care. 